Good morning on hump day the 29th. I'm sure somewhere out there that there's a dog that agrees with that. So what we have here is three bowl games in college that have some appeal. Now I'm going to play these all as a half unit because quite frankly college has been stinking the joint up for me and there's a lot of defection bowls really going on with Coaches, players, I don't want to be a broken record. I've mentioned this, I don't know, maybe whined about it, about how it's hard to bet on these games when you don't know who's playing from one town to another. Lines are swinging 14 points in some cases based on coaching staffs, players, etc. leaving. So let's start with the first defection bowl, a.k.a. the New Era Pinstripe Bowl. That's Maryland and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's actually had a little bit of injury issues couple of their top receivers were in a car accident and looks like they'll be out. It's going to be harder for them to put points on the board, although the line yet has moved up two and a half points since the open. Now the line's been out there for a couple weeks, but it's moved up. And that's actually the smart play on that. Maryland doesn't have much defense and they will put some points on the board. And Virginia Tech is similar, similar to that. Uh, that being said, I don't have a play on the, on the total I don't trust it. My numbers are actually showing a little bit under that, but my, my eyeball test tells me it's going over, so I'm not going to choose between those two sides. I'm going to take a half unit on Maryland minus four. Now, again, Virginia Tech was minus three to start with. Now they're plus four. Seven-point swing. Typically, when you cross zero like that, there's a very, very good reason for that. I'm not going to buck that trend. I'll touch on it slightly. I don't think that Virginia Tech's giving this up. I mean, they've made some special, horrible-looking uniforms for this bowl, so maybe the marketing people haven't given up for sure. I don't know if the players are going to be totally into this. I think Maryland has more to play for. Uh, I know that sounds funny. They both have something, the exact same thing to play for, but Maryland was actually good for about five and a half minutes earlier in the season, and I think they want to rekindle that. Uh, I do believe their competition that they played against was a little better. Uh, so I'm gonna, just going to go with Maryland. I would have liked it earlier, but unfortunately with the defection bowls going on, you really can't bet them too early. Yeah, you could hope you're lucky. If you bet them all early, I guess you you know flip a coin. Half your games get players lost that you didn't want, and the other side, the other team does. So, you know. It is what it is. I don't like to throw money out there when I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just I'm discouraged about these bowls in general with the players leaving, the coaches leaving. I I kind of wish that oh, this is PC, right? I mean, I I, I kind of wish that there wouldn't be coaching leave uh, leaving their schools until after their bowl games are played. I wish the interviewing process happened after the bowl games. I wish that. The players were not allowed to make decisions on the draft until after the bowl game. I wish that there was something about that, some integrity in that, that, hey, you know what? You are you are risking an injury, but you're risking it every day that you play during the regular season, and you'll risk it every day if you're lucky enough to play in the NFL. So get your butt out there and play in the college bowl game. Now, this isn't just because betting is harder. It is. But you know what? How about all the fans? How about the next game when you talk about Iowa State with their, uh, well, he's going to be playing in the NFL, I think. But what, Brees Hall? I mean, 
what he's not playing. What does that say to the fans? So these these team these guys getting paid by boosters to come play at the university, and then they opt out in the bowl game. Maybe the boosters are going to say you will play all the games unless you're injured. Of course, then there will be some fake injuries. I don't. I, this is this money thing. I'm not saying it's wrong to pay the players when they're when the universities are making money off of them. I don't want to get in that argument because it's capitalism. If you're making money off me, then pay me kind of thing. But there has to be some integrity. And I think it's going to be several years before we figure out how the paying and the receiving of pay and the swapping of coaching staffs, leaving for contracts, that's that's going to have to figure itself out. It's just discouraging because college football has always been my best sport to bet year after year after year. And it's not this year. Maybe that's why I'm a little teed off. I don't think so. I think I've elucidated why I'm teed off. But anyway, half a unit, half a unit, Maryland minus four. Then we move over to Clemson and Iowa State. Iowa State is always the uh, box of chocolates from Forrest Gump. You never know what you're going to get. This team can beat anyone and can lose to anyone on any given day. Clemson was a disappointing team this year. Obviously, you've expected them. You've grown with them several years now to be in the title hunt. And this year, they were garbage. Although they are ranked 19, and Iowa State's not ranked at all. Uh, I am going with Clemson minus one and a half points, simply because I do believe they have more of their season-long talent in line to play, and Iowa State does not. I'm not going. I don't want to go against Matt Campbell and his coaching abilities. I'm a little surprised he's still at Iowa State right now. Uh, I think it's probably because of the uh, up and down box of chocolate nature of his teams. They're not bereft of talent. They have some talent. They don't have as much talent as the in-state Iowa Hawkeyes. And they don't play quite as much competition, although they still play Texas, Oklahoma, etc. Uh, I think Campbell does a good job with what he has. And uh, maybe it's the game planning that sometimes they overperform and sometimes underperform because they're playing with less talent, probably than the majority of the competition that they play. Um, if he wins this bowl game, this might be the last year he might be going somewhere else. But I think he's also looking for a big, big name, and those seem to have been filled up for the most part. All that being said, Clemson has more talent. Clemson also has lost less talent, as I said earlier, but they started with more talent. I think the Clemson coach is probably probably a better coach. I think he's definitely a better recruiter, for sure. I think he's probably a better coach, although I don't know. I don't. I don't care for a guy that needs to run out before his team does like he's the the show because I'm sorry, dude, you're not the show. That'd be the guys playing the game, and you're not at all the show. Mr. Dabo Sweeney, you're not the show. Uh, I'm not a Dabo Sweeney hater, and if I am, I guess I'm going. I'm, I'm playing it neutral because I'm taking Clemson in this game for a half unit, minus one and a half. Then we go with the final defection bowl. We've got Oregon and Oklahoma and the Valero Alamo Bowl. Weather shouldn't be an issue. Oklahoma would be, this is kind of a backyard for them. It's close. 
Uh, Oregon's traveling quite a bit. Uh, both teams have lost their coaches. Cristobal going to Miami, and uh, Oklahoma uh, defected as well to USC. So, and he's been in the he's been in the NFL rumor mill for a while. So who knows? And I think he's a good coach. He's a good recruiter, and I think he's a better coach or recruiter than what Oregon lost. So there would be something to think about with Oregon. Um, I will cut to the chase. I am taking Oklahoma minus the points. So I guess I've taken all favorites. I didn't plan it that way because in reality, taking all underdogs makes more sense than taking all favorites. Perfectly frank, taking the underdog is the way to go. I don't look at it that way. I, it, you know, I, I look at each individual game. That's what I do. And, uh, as it turns out, and this is not new this year, taking underdogs in bowl games is usually the smart move. I can't just go on a blanket movement, though. I have to take what I think works in each game. Uh, in this game, and I haven't taken all favorites this bowl season by any means, and I won't be taking it when it's all said and done. It's just how it happens today. Another half unit on Oklahoma minus the points. In this case, Bobby Stoops comes back to take the helm at Oklahoma. It doesn't mean he's coaching them. I mean, I think he probably is adding some coaching. What he's adding, though, is confidence. Players this age, players of all age, but players of this age for sure need that confident feeling. What's, what's Oregon offering? Nothing in that regard as far as I'm concerned. Here you've got a national championship winning legendary Oklahoma legend coach coming back to take over. Now that's happened before. I believe it was uh, Barry Alvarez in Wisconsin when that that was a sketchy coaching departure. Alvarez comes over and takes over the helm. And of course, then they lost. They lost to Stanford. But that was a situation that was a little more unusual. This has now become commonplace. So in this case, I think it's the reverse of that. I think that Stoops actually does a little bit of coaching. I mean, he's qualified to do it. I think that uh, he's pepped up, riled up, charged up. And again, that the players want that. They need that leader that they can listen to and follow. And I think that's going to pay off in spades and space and spades here for him, aces and spades for him. So um, the total has moved up a little bit from 62 to 63. One would have tended to take the over in this game, but I think it's going to be more defense with the coaching changes. I think that's the easier route. I'm not going to take the under. That's how I would lean. I'm just going to take Oklahoma as the points. They're closer to home. They should have a higher level of confidence. I believe they have better players. So it's Oklahoma for me or nothing. It's, I'm laying it or I'm laying off, and I'm, I'm laying it, so I'm playing it. All right. That's it. So the all half unit plays. Now the other plays I've got are the standard one unit plays. And again, these are one unit is one percent, so we don't go crazy. Let's start with college basketball. Now basketball was good yesterday. Yesterday's results was slightly profitable. It was basketball that carried the, the mantle. Uh, hockey fell behind. I don't know what happened with hockey. It had under five and a half in one of the games, and it was each team covered that. It was fifteen, eight to seven. Yeah, whatever. Uh, pond hockey, I guess. Uh, they, they, you know, the skills were there, but the focus on defense was not coming back after the week long or longer layoff. Anyway, back to uh, college hoops. 
Got two plays. I like Miami minus three over NC State. Looks to me like about a seven to nine point Miami victory. So giving up three at home, I'll take it. The other game is Hofstra and William and Mary. Uh, Hofstra's on the road, and they're a large favorite. I'm not touching the full game. It's too much for me. But just take Hofstra for the first half. Looking over these two teams, Hofstra has, as a rule, done better in their first half than they have in their second half. And William and Mary, as a rule, has done better in the second half than the first half. That's largely because they suck. So the teams have been up on them by basically the entire margin at halftime, the, the spread margin at halftime, and then they've coasted through. That's why, but that doesn't make it any worse of a betting angle. So I'm just taking them Hofstra by the first half, assuming they'll probably cover the full spread at halftime and then go into coast mode. So I'm not, I'm not risking any money on the, sec- on the full game. I'll just take Hofstra first half only. And again, Miami minus the points for the full game. Then we move on to NBA. A lot of games. I could only come up with one I want to put any money on. Even that wasn't any gangbusters of a bet. Um, so being the only game doesn't make it a great game. It just makes it a good game. So the the uh, Clippers visiting the Celtics. I'm going to take the game over 209.5. I look at it more like a 217-point game, which is enough for me to want to play it. It's not a domination in points over the total, but it's enough to want to play it. I looked at Miami plus five in San Antonio, but the line's moving too fast toward San Antonio, meaning giving more points to Miami. And there's only one reason for that, because Miami is uh, feeling the covid Restrictions, and I'm not going to play that game when uh, Boston's uh, when uh, San Antonio seem to be pretty clean right now. Texas is a rule. Most Texas teams, college and pro, are doing pretty well. And then we've got Miami. See, well, Miami, Florida teams are doing very well. COVID as well, but apparently not the NBA team. So I'm just going to pass on that. I'll take the over on the Clippers and the Celtics. Over two and nine and a half, and I'll run from that for the rest of it. Even though basketball was very good yesterday, I don't I don't feel like there's much in college or pro that I want to play. And finally, we move to NHL. Again, decent amount of games to play. Several still canceled. I couldn't come up with a lot that I felt real comfortable with, but I do have two. I like New Jersey and Buffalo to go under six. And I just hope it's not a repeat of yesterday. These are two teams that are more defensive-oriented than offense, and I'm getting six. So I like that quite a bit. I just don't want this to be a situation where there's a blowout of points. But just because it happened yesterday doesn't mean it's going to happen today. There's only three games, so there's a little bit of randomness involved there. So I look at this as under six. It seems like a three-to-two game at most to me. Finally, uh, Vancouver and Anaheim, there's, there was a potential play in Vancouver plus or minus a very short odds, minus 110. I don't like it. I, I can't play against Anaheim. I, I can't uh, because what it kept coming up with is while I would have leaned Vancouver, I kept coming up with scenarios in different analysis that had Vancouver win, or Anaheim winning and not just winning but scoring 
over the five and a half themselves. So I'm going to take over five and a half for the game because, again, I see in a situation several where Anaheim could get to six in a high-scoring tie-out. And again, I'm not overplaying yesterday's results. I just believe that's how the, the numbers show up. But really, I kept coming up with three to three, three to three, three to three. There was one I had at like 3.2, 2 2.3, 2.4, 2.5 kind of situation. So that one was one that almost took me off the game because I would round that down to five. Everything else seems three to three. And of course, no game ends in a tie, which leaves it at four to three. So I like that quite a bit, obviously, as over five and a half. So that's what I'm taking. I'm taking Maddox, Vancouver, and Anaheim over five and a half. I'm taking Buffalo, Sabres, and New Jersey Devils under six. And that's all I've got for today. Good luck.